Hi, everyone. Good evening. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to your Hawks Insiders Thursday night safe space as we have one last quick look at the loss to Richmond on the weekend. Look ahead to the Brisbane game in Launceston on Sunday and look at all the Hawthorne news. There's been a fair bit in the last few days that has happened in between. So sit back and enjoy the next hour or so. Don't forget this is a multifaceted conversation. So when you're sick of hearing from me and from Andrew and from Brad and from Danny and Simon, if he joins us, no Daz tonight, uh, put your hand up and uh, we'll get you on to speak. We have a guest tonight. It'll be Emma Race. She's going to join us at around 9 o'clock to go through the big week it's been for Hawthorne AFLW with uh, seven or so player signings confirmed and she'll give us the lie of the land at She'll run through each of the signings, what they're going to bring to the Hawks and uh, through the bits and pieces as well. They signed their CBA today. So we have a starting date for the season. It'll be August 25th, the weekend after the home and away season finishes, which presumably will be a week after Hawthorne's men's season finishes. But let me uh, welcome my co-host, our co-host, your co-host for the spaces. Good evening to Andrew Weiss. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Good to be back for another Thursday night. Uh, Brad Klebanski, hello. Evening, all. Great to be here once again. And uh, Danny Prince. Hey, Ash. Uh, yeah, excited for this one. Um, keen to, to have a chat about all things Hawks. Brad, before we go on, so your celebrity is spreading, it is fair to say. You told, you told me today of a recent encounter somebody had. It came across you or yeah, involved an you? An interesting story. My old man happened to be at a dinner at a well-known establishment in the city last weekend, and a gentleman at the dinner told him he listens to a wonderful Hawthorne podcast most weeks on a Friday morning or occasionally live on a Thursday night. But he had a message for one of the co-hosts on the podcast. He called that co-host Angry Brad. So I take it he was talking about myself. Angry Brad is still going to remain. So unfortunately for that gentleman, I won't name him, uh, Angry Brad will uh, remain as the season goes on. So, yes, it's good to see that we do have listeners out there and the Hawks Insiders are doing a good job. I think we're going to get some merchandise made. Angry Brad, I think we get T-shirts, caps, scarves, just identifying uh, Angry Brad merch. What do you think, Andrew? Well, I just think that, you know, everyone was so excited about the incredible news, the the five-year signing this week. And uh, actually, the more incredible signing was not the five years of CIS. It's that Angry Brad has signed on for another five. So, uh, I have. It's definitely an option. It's definitely an option. And I think if you go to this purchase of uh, of Twitter, we'll just talk to Elon Musk and make Angry Brad a permanent uh, hashtag that uh, can't be used by anybody else. As I said, we've got apologies for tonight. Darren Levine not with us. He's out at Westwater just doing a stock take of all the cutlery and the bed sheets and the uh, poker chips ahead of uh, Westwater's being sold by the Hawthorne Football Club a bit later on. We'll get to that. In a bit, um, we won't spend too long recapping the loss the Hawks had to Richmond on Saturday at the MCG. It sort of turned out, as we feared, as we predicted it would this time last week, that the Hawks would play well in patches, that they did. It would be ultimately Richmond's probably match winners. They had better players than Hawthorne. That would be the difference. That was Hawthorne has no Dusty, has no Toby, Ruckman like Toby Nankervis. A couple of other Richmond guns lifted it at uh, the right time, and the difference in the end was Hawthorne losing by 23 points. No real disgrace. It's one of those honourable losses we're just going to have to uh, endure for the next uh, season and a half, but there's always some, a silver lining um, before we get to the dark clouds. What uh, were the silver linings out of that one, Andrew? Yeah, so I've picked out a few things to go through. I think John Newcomb's first quarter was another first quarter of beauty and he's still pretty young and pretty fresh, but again, pretty exciting to um, and pretty tantalising to think of what happens when he starts stringing uh, three and four quarter games together. So Jai in the first. Um, similarly, I'm bookending that with Chad's last quarter 
um, been calling for the last couple of weeks to just play him in the midfield. There's been a lot of discussion during the week and very happy to see that he was named on ball uh, in the team sheet for this weekend's game. So hopefully that continues on because he was, he was one of the main drivers for us coming back in that last quarter. Um, couple more, Cozzy uh, the Warrior thought he battled super, super hard. Um, looked good up forward, worked really hard and actually did a great job. Um, arguably uh, better than Max Lynch uh, when he was in the ruck in the, in the third quarter, in the second half. Um, Will Day in the middle was brilliant to see and, and good to see that the journos were listening to one of our questions midweek because Sammy was asked about that at training. Um, so great to see him in the middle and I think overall, just the never say die attitude. Like we can, we can put up with losses. We know where we're at, um, but when we play the way we did against St Kilda, or we play the way we did against Essendon, it can be pretty. We can get pretty despondent about it. So to never throw in the towel, work really hard, and and put in that effort all the way through to the end was was definitely a silver lining for the group. So before you get too excited about Chad Wingard being named on the ball uh, for the game against Brisbane, you know, squad of 26, it'll be finalised tomorrow. Just have a look at, uh, can you tell me who they named at centre-half forward? Yeah, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, Luke Bruce was named at centre-half forward, wasn't he? Yeah, so Uh, don't believe everything you I know, I know. But you know what? Like, there has been a bit of commentary on it throughout the week. Um, and and he made all the difference. Some of the slick handballs that led to the the running goals, Warple's goal, um, he just adds that extra element. And uh, hopefully it's part of a plan to see him play more time than he has been So in the midfield. So we'll just see how that plays out. It is fact that at some clubs, the coach will leave a squad of 26 or 22 with some low-level football staff, or say, can you lodge the team with the AFL? Thanks, uh, matey. I'm off to, uh, I'm off to go for a run or something. And uh, the poor schmo has to piece together the team in some sort of positional order to lodge with the AFL. So, well, one, even... one day the archaic practice of naming players in position will end, and this farce will be over. When you consider the fact that obviously Will Day played so much time in the middle and. Sammy Mitchell, during his presser, alluded to it and said, yeah, you know, this is what we've got to look forward to. He got named in a back pocket today. So, you know, that probably just goes, uh, gives gives that point a bit more waiting. Yeah, it's all the nonsense. Uh, Brad, the floor is yours. The bad. Uh, won't keep everyone long tonight. Bad number one, James Warple, one kick in the first three quarters. He's lost his spot in the side, and with Box Hill not playing, he's going to be out of the senior side for at least two weeks. I wrote in my piece, selection dissection, he should spend at least three weeks in Box Hill. Could end up being four weeks. Uh, I thought one other bad, and there's a big one, Tom Lynch is a forearm that split open Jarman Impey and not getting a week. I think, I think I saw that touched on a bit in the media during the week. Robbo actually wrote a decent article uh, mentioning the Toby Green tax. If that was Toby Green, he would have copped a week as he did for his hit on Danger last year. That was disappointing. The midfield again, very weak, obviously with Lynch, Aroni, Ruckman. Battled hard in the first half, but then he copped it down the knock. Lynch, he seems to get hurt every week when he plays, and it's causing big problems with our lack of a second uh, ruck. So I know Prinzi will hopefully touch on this uh, later tonight with the mid-season draft coming up. We absolutely have to somehow get a second ruck because by the looks of it, I know the reports are Reeves is maybe three, four weeks away. I'd be very surprised if they don't send him in for a shoulder reconstruction and he misses the rest of the season. Uh, so I'll leave the bads there. Did you listen to Sam Mitchell's presser today? I uh, haven't listened to it in full details. I just followed a bit of it on Twitter. What did he say? He's he said Ned Reeves might even play next week. I'd, I would be very surprised if that was the case, especially with the game in Darwin. Can't, yeah. see it ha- can't see it happening. I'd be surprised, but uh, that was the, uh, the quote from the coach that uh, he's building up the strength. And uh, 
Yeah, they, they're not ruling out playing. Yeah, they week. might actually not. To be to be fair, that uh, they might not have a choice because McAvoy is <laughs> obviously out till at least the, you know the back end of the season, and we don't have anyone else. You can't keep on playing the likes of uh, Cozzy and uh, Callow when he played a you know couple of games there. Oh. It's not better those. We're going to park. Though. We're going to park the ruck discussion for a few minutes because it's on, on our, our. It's a bit further down the run sheet. Uh, Danny, uh, you can kick off the votes for last week. Uh, yeah, so I gave uh, James Sicily three votes. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, led from the front, and um, yeah, just another good uh, game in the Sicily for all Australian. Um, train that's happening i gave john newcomb two votes and um that was mainly for that first quarter that he had but um he was probably still our best midfielder throughout the day and jarman impy i gave one vote which was heartening as well because it's good to see him back playing some good footy yes i thought uh his last couple of weeks pretty good brad uh different votes for me um i gave three uh to cozzy I know it's an interesting one. I think he, he kicked two goals. He competed really hard. He actually had to play quite a lot in the ruck in the second half. Um, I think he's actually played really well uh, the last few weeks in the side. Um, I gave two votes to uh, Sicily, to James Sicily. Started quite slowly on uh, Tom uh, Lynch, but I think he played a brilliant game. He had 23 kicks for the game and nine marks. And I gave one vote to Luke Bruce. He kicked three goals, and I thought that was probably his best game of the year. Uh, Andrew, votes. Yeah, I'm a mix of the two guys we've just heard from. I gave three votes to James Sicily. Uh, I'm with Prinzi. I thought he was our by by far our best player. Um, I gave two to Jai Newcomb, uh, who was who, in my opinion, was our best mid. And I gave one to Jarman Impey. I thought he really started coming back into into his own. Um, into the the jars we know off the back line, and um, that's probably going to help with CJ coming back again. Keep Will Day released further up the field, which is a good thing. The injury list is out, and was out as of like Tuesday night. Uh, CJ listed as a hamstring, well, he's obviously over that. He is picked and like almost certainly to to play on Sunday. Emerson Jacker five weeks with a hamstring. Tom Phillips, ankle still six weeks to go. Josh Ward, concussion. Well, he there's no VFL this week, but he'll go through the protocol. He uh, should be available for some level of football next week. Jack Gunston, ankle, probably anywhere between two to six, they're saying, um, for a medial ligament of his ankle. I would say the safe thing is three weeks and then the bye. So I don't imagine, anticipate we'll see Jack Gunston playing until after the bye. Nedry's shoulder, the interesting one. It could be as early as next week. Um, they're going to make a decision whether he's strong enough. It's, to paraphrase what uh, the coach said today, they'll make a decision on whether his shoulder is strong enough to withstand, withstand the rigours of playing footy. If it breaks down again or it's not strong, they'll probably pack him up for the season. Um, you would wonder whether they will try and get him up to play before the mid-season draft, whose date I don't have in front of me. Uh, if anyone knows when the mid-season draft is, please chime in and tell me. But tell me that, that ideally, I'd like to see whether Reese can play before the mid-season draft. If he, if they decide he can't, then that I think that makes a decision uh, for the pre of oh, the mid-season draft. Sorry, uh, more likely that they'll find try and take a ruckman from somewhere. Um, ben McAvoy neck TBC. Well, as long as he's in the neck brace, it doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. Tyler Brockman shoulder season um, very disappointing. For him, I don't think that means he'll play a game at all. Brad, has he played a game this year? A senior game? Uh, Brocky? Yeah, I don't think he has. No, no. Right. Well, that's disappointing. He, uh, yeah, so whether we've seen him play fourth, I guess the decision we'll discuss in a, uh, a bit more depth down the track. But uh, there's a school of thought to say that uh, we might not see him again in the colours. Uh, news from the Hawks. A couple of significant bits of news to go through before Emma joins us at about nine o'clock. First one is, um, and this was probably flagged when Hawthorne's media list came out on Monday, said that James Sisley would be talking Tuesday. Sure enough, not long after came the announcement that uh, he has re-signed as opposed to resigned. 
has re-signed for five years, which will all likelihood mean he will finish his career with Hawthorne. Um, Danny, you wrote a very good piece for Hawks Insider explaining what that means and what you think is a subtle change of thinking um, in terms of player contracts at Hawthorne. Do you sort of give us an executive summary of that? Yeah, well, firstly, I'd, I'll, I'll say, and I, did, I touched on it a little bit in the article, but uh, maybe not as much as I should have when I read it back. Um, James Sisley re-signing for the Hawks is massive. Um, he is, I think, quite clearly at the moment, our best player. Um, he's uh, in the prime of his footballing um, life cycle right now, and um, he is one of very few of the age group of players um, that should be taking us forward in the next three to five years. So getting his signature is, um, is really, really big. And that five-year commitment is massive. So um, first, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is um, the five-year deal to a player who's 27 years old is, is a bit of a departure from the Clarkson Hawthorne who um, offered players multi-year contracts until they were 30 and then one-year contracts from the age of 30 onwards. So, just having a look at that and what that might open up in terms of opportunities um, is is pretty exciting, I think. And look, it's not something we need to jump on right now. Um, I touched it on in my article that if the Hawks are chasing um, mid to late 20-year-olds at the moment, they're doing something wrong. They should be just um, concentrating on the draft. Um, but going forward, when we are in a better position to uh, to challenge and we need the Brian Lakes or the David Hales or uh, the Josh Gibson type players to come in from other clubs, um, that gives us a little bit more um, ammunition to compete with other clubs for, for these players' services where we can offer deals that go past the age of 30. So um, I think that's exciting and I think that's just another thing that um, signifies that there's a step away from the Clarkson Hawthorne and um, a step towards a Mitchell Hawthorne. And uh, whether it's uh, long sleeves or, um, or these long, longer-term contracts, I think, um, I think they're all positive things. Let me throw a name at you guys. I did put the run sheet, but we did talk about it on our uh, WhatsApp during the week. So Griffin Logue apparently is shaping as the odd man out at Fremantle as they've got developing a very imposing back six or, or back seven, and he might be the one who gets squeezed out at the end of the year and wants to look for greater opportunity elsewhere, given the state of the Hawthorne back line, um, with the, the, the main long-term piece being Sicily locked in and then the Granger Barris, you think, would be you know about to be a, a long-term player. Is there a place for a player like Griffin Logue at the Hawks? Uh, so I'm... I've done a bit of looking into Griffin Logue. I'm not a massive fan, but he is young enough that I'd be willing to take him if we could get him on the cheap. Um, but I kind of feel like he's a little bit similar to what we have uh, with our key defenders. And we kind of need a bit more of a, I mean, everybody needs a Harris Andrews type lockdown defender. Um, but that's, I think, what we need to be looking for. But I wouldn't say no to him if the price is right and the price would have to be pretty cheap. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with Prinzi. Was he Prinzi? Was he a top ten pick? I think he was. I think he was pick eight. Yeah. Yeah. So he's obviously was a talented junior. He's obviously a few years older than than Granger R. Barris. I think, as uh, Ash mentioned, Granger Barris eventually will become our you know key fullback. But as we saw on the weekend, we've seen this year uh, he's still raw. We've talked about this a lot. He's a few years off. Logue, I think, would be a decent pickup, as Prinzi said, if the price was right. But I think the way Sam likes to play, uh, who does he replace in the back line? Well, it's more for just having another, I think it's having another body. Yeah, it's depth. Yeah, depth. but if you get a player like Griffin Logue, he's playing in the 22. So, you know, you'd probably have to – because you'd structure up with him, Sicily, Granger, Barris, definitely – I guess, where does that leave, you know, Frosty? You know, it's an interesting one because Frosty has played pretty well, but I don't think he's going to be, you know, in our best 22 in probably two years' time. So Logue would probably be one that could uh, replace him. More news from the Hawks is that Westwaters has been sold, which is one of two gaming slash gambling establishments 
Hawthorne owns. This is out in Caroline Springs, which is actually a long way from the Hawthorne heartland, but it is a place with lots of pokies, but also function centre. I think it might even be a combination there as well. Um, sale price hasn't been disclosed. The financial review reported as being $85 million uh, sale. I'm not sure whether that is correct. The other indications were it was barely half that. We discussed this often, uh, quite extent, this whole issue of um, Hawthorne and uh, poker machines and gaining revenue quite extensively um, in the off-season last year, certainly around the time of the, uh, the election as well. Uh, we see you're our social conscience. What did you make of that news and uh, what does it mean for the club? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean the ability to promote the fact that we're selling it and giving some of the pokies away is nice on the outside and projects a very nice image to the rest of the world that we are tracking in that direction. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, I think it clearly is about serving a purpose for the Kennedy Community Centre, um, the need to get the coin in, um, I probably could have used a better word than that since we're talking about the pokies. Um, but the need to get the funds um, is the driving force in this instance, clearly not purely to get out of pokies. So until the rest of them go, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not buying into the social conscious side of things because it's purely a financial based um, decision um but I, having said that i guess it's it is it is that one step closer so um yeah obviously we're we're heading closer to having this incredible venue and facility and uh i just take it on purely face value that it was transactional to be able to generate the cash for that danny excited yeah, like I think I echo everything Weesey says. I think it's a step in the right direction, right? But it's only it's only the start of the process of getting rid of the pokies and diversifying our revenue streams. So I think the fact that they've started to make good on that commitment to do that is a, is a really positive thing. But uh, until they're completely out of it, I mean, we're still, we still have pokies. So um, I don't really... I, I mean, I definitely dislike the fact that we're attached to, to pokies and, and gambling as a club, especially being the family club that we are. And I think we just need to, the quicker we can move away from it and diversify that revenue, um, the better. Uh, and the last thing I want to talk about before Emma joins us uh, is back to on-field matters. And there was a great deal of alarm among some supporters that there was vision today of... Um, Keegan Brooksby, Hawthorne's one-game wonder from 2020, back at training, uh, which was a, could be interpreted in a few ways. The first was that he actually works for the club as the uh, head coach of the academy, of the uh, NGA. It's also going to be working with the AFLW program, I think, as a, possibly as an opposition analyst. Maybe Emma can let us in that. So he's more or less works for the club, even though he's playing, then he flies out, out of the out of state on weekends, I think, to play for South Adelaide in the SANFL. But um, so he's a fresh body, the only really remaining ruck body for um, for Max Lynch to train against, um, given that Ned Rees is only doing a little bit of training now and uh, Ben McAvoy cannot. Others are interpreting it as a sign that Hawthorne are going to reselect him in the uh, mid-season draft, just almost as insurance. Uh, which led to a huge uh, uh, the event Darren's at tonight. He left the room to let out a big WhatsApp scream no at us when that noise came, when that news came out and then he went back to the function he's at. What do you guys think? Does Hawthorne have a ruck crisis, Brad? Um, and would you what do you say to my argument that they should at least have Booksby on the list because they need a body in the ruck because we don't want to be playing Kaczynski. It's in Hawthorne's interest to leave Kaczynski as much as possible on the forward line to develop his chemistry with um, with Mitch Lewis and others. And yeah. surely having books being the ruck yeah. is better than nothing. We have a ruck uh, crisis, absolutely. We've touched on this for the last few weeks, even from the start of the season. Even when we had the three fit guys to start off the season, 
we were worried and our worst fears have obviously happened in the last few weeks. The Brooksby news, I, I would say he only trained with Lynch because we don't have anyone else and he's at uh, the club. He was on our list the last couple of years. He was a really popular guy at the club. I know he played a few senior games last year, but I just think it's so bad at the moment that we don't have a choice. Uh, will they pick him up in the mid-season draft? I, I'm going to go with no. I think they'll be looking uh, to the lower leagues, someone in the VFL, maybe even someone in the VAFA. We saw Carlton's got a young guy on their list, uh, Murkov, uh, Alex uh, Murkov, who will probably play a couple of games in the back half of the year with their big man stocks and their injuries that they've got down. So there might be a few gems in the lower leagues that I think our recruiters will be looking at, and we will take one. But Keegan Brooksby, in my opinion, definitely no. But I can see why they've got him training with Max Lynch at the moment. Andrew, what about Brooksby? Better than, would you rather Brooksby rucking to make sure that uh, Kaziski doesn't have to if, if Lynch went down as well? Yeah, look, it's the sort of question you don't actually want to have to answer. But I totally agree with what you said about Cozzy. Um, last week was probably, and, and I should have mentioned it in, in my good, the the Lewis-Cozzy combination again last week in the first half and when, when Cozzy was up forward was working and working really, really well. And uh, again... Um, especially in the first quarter, even with Gunston doing well before he went down, the notion that the two of them can spearhead the attack. So he needs, from a longevity point of view, to stay out of the ruck. It's exactly the same with Callow. So, um, and, and we know that Lynchy can't play a full game in the ruck. So uh, it, it absolutely makes perfect sense. Having said that, if there is another option that presents itself uh, that's potentially more long-term viable through the mid-season draft, I'd be, I'd be looking at that as well. Yeah, I think I'm on an island here that I would actually like them to, if nothing else, just to have Brooksby there on the list. They've got long-term injuries. They can send, um, they, they can send Gunston. Or Gunston or not, they've got uh, Brockman as a long-term injury now. They've got room. I, don't, I would rather just they have Brooksby. I know he's got, got off a very little, but this is a development year. We've got to keep remembering that. And the development year does not mean sending Kaczynski to the ruck the majority of games. It's, uh, it's trying to and get him and Lewis and others to function to get on the forward line. So that is how I see things. But I think I'm in an island here. I think that's perfectly fair enough, Ash. I, I, I wouldn't actually be unhappy. There's no point taking a 23 or 24-year-old Ruckman in the mid-season draft that has potential because we've already got them in Reeves and Lynch. So if it's to fill the gap, as you said, so our forwards can stay at home, then so be it. All right. We have a special guest tonight. She's on coming early, but let's get to her. There's so much to talk about. And it is so exciting. It is Emma Race, the guru of uh, all things women's footy. Hawthorne's, uh, I think, still number one uh, ticket holder. Uh, it's been a great week. Hawthorne have announced their AFLW signings, for the, for, certainly those from other clubs. The list is now 40% complete, which is pretty exciting. So, Emma, welcome back to Hawks Insiders. Thank you so much for having me, Ash. I'm so excited. It's such a massive week for the club. It is fantastic. I want you to – the floor is yours, Peter Butcher. I just want you to walk through what is uh, – the players Hawthorne have signed this week, introduce them to us, what they're going to bring, and then we'll fire a couple of questions at you about uh, what you think it means, how they're stacking up competitively. Because, I mean, we all, as much as we all want to see the team, we want to, like to think they're going to be uh, reasonably competitive from the start as well. So walk us through the signings, what they mean, what they bring. Well, what's lovely is um... – 
I can see the fingerprints of Beck Goddard and all of the relationships that she has, you know, as the senior coach at Hawthorne, the relationships that she has forged over decades with players and um, they are all over this list. And Mitch has been doing a fantastic job as well and Josh Vandaloo as well. Um, Josh Vandaloo, potentially the best recruit we've ever had for the Hawthorne Women's Program, to be really <laughs> honest. Like um, during this CBA stuff, um, I just have no doubt that Josh has been really flying the flag for Hawthorne. It's so important to have him there. But um, the, it's been a massive week for signings. I'm going to kick it off with Sarah Perkins because there's nothing that sells memberships more um, than winning games and when your team makes you feel something. And Beck Goddard and Sarah Perkins have a total – it's a love story. It's a love story for the ages, if you like. <laughs> um, I'm going to take you back to 2016 when Sarah Perkins didn't get picked up in the draft because she dominated for Victoria – Beck was the Adelaide coach at that time and went on to, of course, win the premiership. Um, she went back to Adelaide and said, I can't believe no one's picked up Perkins. Fly her in here. Let's have a chat. And in Beck's words, um, the first 30 seconds sitting down with Sarah Perkins, she just realised that this was the person she needed in her team. Um, Perkins is going to make history when she pulls on her brown and yellow jumper because um, – brown and gold, I should say, because, um, <laughs> you know, for purists – um, she um, she's going to be the first AFLW player to play for four clubs and it was a big call for her to come across from the Suns because she's really been in form for the Suns, been kicking a, a bag of goals um, and, in fact, I think last season she kicked something like six goals, 12, I think, which, you know, like I think that that goal kicking is it's hard to come by in the AFLW and if um, I think Beck's building a team around people who can really get the ball in, into our forward line. We've got a bunch of different goal kickers. Sarah Perkins is just one of them. But um, it's such a magical story. Um, her dad was the head of the cheer squad and he actually died last year. And um, so this is a real this is a real coming home for Sarah Perkins. And, you know, I, I just love those stories in footy and she's not going to disappoint. She's part of our... Um, she's really part of the heartland at Hawthorne. So we're so pleased to have her back. And also her mum, Sandy, runs a really great tuck shop. So very important to know that too. Um, <laughs> Beck also had um, a good relationship with Janet um, Baird, who's also coming across. Um, she was from the AFL Northern Territory and Beck um, coached her in under-18s um, and just said she's one of those people who's actually just so impressive and articulate. You just will have, you know, your hair will just be blowing back when you meet her. And she's a passionate, um, really passionate person who really believes in furthering the conversation on the culture um, of Indigenous and First Nations people and um, is just a super player and a super person. I think that we could really um, branch Oh, brand this team as a real no dickheads team. I think Beck's really going for people who have heart. There's really interesting stories in this, um, in this the way that she's put this team together. Tilly Lucas Wright is another one. She played for Carlton for a couple of seasons and then um, was kind of waning a little bit, wasn't getting the best out of her footy. I actually thought she might have been about to hang up the boots. Went to St Kilda and has absolutely just crushed it, has had a cracking season last season and um it's just been hard work and determination and she's um she's just a possession machine she's going to be amazing through the midfield she's worked so hard to get back there and she's really a big name player now and I cannot believe that we've got her across at the Hawks because she was pretty happy at the Saints so that's exciting and coming across from GWS is Lou Stevenson who is such a phenomenal player we could play her in the ruck we could play her down back um she's tall she's a I think she's a, a firefighter in her day job and um She's just one of those incredible, she's just an incredible human. Every time I've ever interacted with her at GWS, I've thought, you know, what a super person she is. She's an amazing player. She can actually um, really um, impact a game um, quite like another massive signing, which is Jess Duffin. The story of Jess Duffin is extraordinary. She's coming across from North Melbourne, but she also plays cricket at a really high level. The thing about Jess Duffin is that she has annoyed me so much playing for North. She plays this sweeping role, um, kind of a high defender, and you can't get the ball past her. So I cannot wait for her to pull on the brown and gold jumper. Um, I'm so excited. I, I'm sure that you can tell, but these are massive names 
big calls. They're also people that have a huge heart. And um, Tegan Cunningham is another one that's come, um, is going to be playing for Hawthorne. We thought she'd retired. She actually, um, she, I guess, you know, it, without being crude about it, um, she kind of got replaced by Taylor Harris in Melbourne's forward line this season. And Tegan Cunningham is, um, she's been a super basketballer and she's now playing um, some really great footy. She's in perfectly, she's in rude health. Like a, she's just, she's been battling a bit of a commentary around her injuries, but she is so fired up. I suspect she'll be an All-Australian by the end of Season 7, I reckon, which is going to absolutely have a cracker of a season. No pressure. No pressure at all, but she's just really fired up. I can see there's that real burning um, passion in her to just demonstrate what she can really do. So I think that what we're building here is a team of people who are going to get the opportunity to play with a bit of abandon, like really find the joy again. And that's kind of the theme that I can feel running through this Hawthorne team. Of course, our early signings were Bridget Deed and Zoe um, Babakis, who's actually, she's injured, she's kind of broken her legs, but they think that she might be one of her legs. I think she might be back. They're hoping that she'll be back in time for um, round one. And Sophie Locke, um, also Dom Carboni, who's played for us for a little while, also from the Northern Territory, um, and Eliza Shannon, who has been playing really well in the VFLW. But I think that they're not, you're not going to see these girls playing in the VFLW. They're going to rest them. They're going to start wrapping them in cotton wool. And in the coming days, I think we're going to see um, a bunch of other announcements. And I think that... Um, I'm really excited. I think that what we're building is a team that really believe that they've got, that they're, you know, the magical ingredients of all these people put together. They're not just in this to make up the numbers. This is going to be a team that's really determined to demonstrate what we stand for and they really want wins. They don't want to just be in it for the history-making moment. And I feel like each one of these players really has something to prove. So I don't know, I don't want to go too early, but I do feel like it's a bit of lightning in a bottle. You know, it could be something quite magical that we've got going on here. I feel really excited about it. You missed a player. We've, we've, we've raided Richmond. Oh, a catch. <laughs> a catch. How could I forget catchy? So um, Richmond actually delisted catchy and um, – She's just a cracker. She's an absolute cracker. And I don't I think her best footy's um right in front of her. I think she was she might have lost the love a little bit. And um just with I, I feel like we're just gonna take such good care of her. We, she's such an awesome human. I'm really looking forward to working with her um in all the facets of her life. She's a businesswoman, she's such a go-getter and and a leader in this space as well. So we're really lucky to have her. We've got a bunch of women who are just just incredible humans and it's starting to feel like um, we're a full family now. I feel like now that we've got, you know, we've had the VFLW for such a long time and we've been really good. We're just having a cracking season. I'm sure you saw that we drew with Essendon, which was a top-of-the-table clash. Amazing. We take on Darabin this Saturday at 11 o'clock at Box Hill and that'll be good too. Um, but I just feel like there's so much depth in in the women's program and to be really honest, there's just depth everywhere at Hawthorne at the moment. Like because I've, I've really enjoyed seeing Beck um, be in the coach's box for the men's games as well. She plays a really important role there and I know that she and Sam are close. They work really closely together. Sam's been um, really supportive of what we're building in the women's program and um, and so is Jack Gunston too. He's on the advisory board um, with me and a bunch of other people and I, it just feels really cohesive. It's not There's no separation. It kind of feels like we're all in it together and we're all aiming for the same thing. It's interesting to have two first-year coaches at the same time, you know, at Hawthorne. But um, a lot of these girls are also Hawthorne growing up, so they've got a lot to prove. Like it's going to be a pretty romantic um, history-making moment when they do run out. So if the list is 40% complete, you said that give me some more signs. You thought there might be another one today that we've talked about tonight, but that obviously didn't no. come through. Are these – where will the remaining 60% come from? Are they existing AFLW players? Will I take a collection of the VFLW team and promote them? And the, and the sort of draft to go. So do, That's right. 
Do we also get priority picks? Or Yeah, I'm really hoping that we get priority picks and I'm really hoping this is where Vandaloo earns his money. Um, that that I will really hope to see the, um, these, the teams that are coming in, these four teams coming in, get some really um, – get some high, get a lot and get a whole bunch of high draft picks. Now that we've got the CBA, all those things will be answered. I think we can now start ticking off on the list of all the things that we've been waiting on. So it'll be draft picks and also the VFLW program um, will present a whole lot of other players. We've got some crackers. The, th- the great thing about the Hawthorne Women's Program is that we've got a lot of players who went played at other clubs and they came back to Hawthorne after they'd, you know, finished playing AFLW and playing BFLW and um, a few that are still right on the cusp. It's really, it's been really hard for these women to um, play their best footy in the conditions that they've been playing under, whether, you know, whether they've been playing BFLW and then a little bit AFLW and then COVID affecting everything um, and not having uh, 12-month contracts. So, you know, today, um, as I said, you just said then and I alluded to before, I was thinking there might be some more announcement today, but... Um, the announcement today about the CBA is one of the biggest ones that um, we've been waiting on. So I'll take yeah. that instead of another another list signing. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about that for a minute. Ed. The mm. the ninety four percent increase in pay, which is fantastic, um, plus other terms and conditions. Just talk us through what, uh, and it's really just a bridging CBA for one season while they sort out the sort of the long term agreement. But it, to me, this seems this was a, a, a fantastic outcome today for AFLW. Yeah, it really is. The thing that's been amazing, I haven't had a chance to really dig in and um, go through it and get into the reads with it, but um, you're right about the pay increase. Um, What that reflects is um, that now these people can get paid to... Um, train you know it's actually just um, fixing up the shortfall for where you know you can't really have a part-time you know in this I mean there's no one really that's a part-time professional player is there like we expect them to be professional six months of the year Um, and so this is just going to free people up to be able to make plans and to be able to look after their body and get paid to do that for 12 months of the year so that's absolutely fantastic Um, you know we talk a lot about um I know I've heard it today a lot about um, the people who are in the tier tier one, but look, there is only two. I think there's only two players in tier one in every team, so like that's that's not the majority. So, um, but then there are you know other um, other things outside of the cap um, that can help with that. But um, the biggest thing I think that I've seen today is that the players on Twitter are just really celebrating. And I think the difference is that this time, you know, at the last CBA, I don't think that they felt that heard. I don't think they felt that represented. This seems really unanimous. They're all really supporting um, this um, CBA that's been signed off. They're all um, thanking the Players Association, so they must feel like they've been heard. I think it's good that it's one year. I think that um, that's kind of the hallmark of um, of this change in um, season time starting in August. I don't think that anyone really knows what to expect. And so I think the players um, weren't willing to sign off on anything if if the AFL weren't willing to give them a longer season. And I think the AFL probably weren't willing to give them a longer season until they know what it feels like to have another comp starting in August. So, you know, one year is probably, you know, kind of, common ground to kind of land on knowing that they had to get this done because pre-season starts in three weeks' time or two and a half weeks' time. If you were the uh, boss of AFLW... Uh, Am I what? not? Am I well, not the boss of AFLW? There are, people, they, there are people who say you might be. It's uh, the official <laughs> boss anyway. I hear that a bit. Um, what is the ideal in two, two, three years' time when the 18 competition is bettered down and the CBA, what is the ideal length of season? Is it 18 games? And what calendar? When, when would you like to see the season play? Well, I'm really excited about an August start time, but I do think every team should play each other once. It seems absolutely ludicrous in a competition. And Darcy Vessio, who is actually the coach of my um, one of my kids in under 10s today, they tweeted the under 10s team that I coach gets to play more games than I do as a professional footballer, which does seem ludicrous, right? Yeah. Um, but um, I think that the 
players should keep pushing to play everyone once. There's teams that played each other at the end of last season who'd never met before in the in the entire six seasons of the competition. That just seems so ridiculous, right? So yeah. I think it's only fair that they push for that. I really like an August start time. It probably could start the first week of August. Um, and, you know, as, as storytellers, you'd know this, Ash, too, that uh, as you get into that, you know, the end of the season in in the men's game, the the fewer games there are, the, the more time there is to spend talking about something. What a great opportunity for us to be talking about the women's game there. It's really hard to talk about the women's game and to get stories up when you're competing with people being on summer holidays. So this is going to be a really different offering and I think it's fair and reasonable to sit back and see how this rolls out. But I do think that there needs to be a plan for us to, everyone has to play each other once. Yeah, I reckon starting the season, finishing the season last week, weekend in November is great because even in southern Australia, you can have cool weather right through the end of November. If you're playing late afternoon games, if you're playing in perfectly good weather, I mean, I felt really sorry for the girls playing in January yeah. and February this year. It just wasn't, it wasn't right. It was good to have footy back, but I just felt desperately sorry for the girls. It was yeah. like an ordeal rather than a joy. At, at Especially stages. with the COVID overlay of having to, you know, only having five-day breaks in between yeah. games. And then also if you look at the grounds that they play on, so many of those grounds are under construction. So you're getting these really hefty northerlies coming through where Stan should have been protecting them. Um, there's just no – there was just – it was. It just felt like it was um, – you know, it's kind of fraught at, at every turn. And that just feels so unfair with the pressure that's on these people, especially, you know, to when you've got such a short amount of time, each game counts so much. It's like dog years, you know. If you lose yeah. three games, you kind of know you're not yeah, going to play finals. So um, grounds is another massive issue for us, though, Ash. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the next question. And speaking of construction, Hawthorne have said that the building of the facilities for the AFLW team will be the priority at Dingley to get them in there, but it won't be for this season. So 10-game season, five home games, I'm trying to work out where they're going to play. They might get one or two away at Box Hill, but Box Hill is a cricket ground as well. They're going to have to mm. shut – they're going to have to take down the goalposts by the end of September. I'm not um, sure it's an option. I, I really – I'm not sure that Box Hill's an option this season. I know that there is some money going into Box Hill City Oval, but – um, I think that I've heard them talk about Icon. I mean, we used to be housemates with Carlton back in the day. Yeah. Maybe we're going to see a bit of that again. Um, Morwell has been discussed. I reckon there'll be some games at Marvel, which is actually really good for um, for the women's game. I'd like to see Hawthorne Essendon kick off the season at Marvel and us get as many supporters as we can really start a brand new rivalry. Maybe we, we turn up with the self-raising flower and put another line in the sand <laughs> like Clarko did um, or something like that. You can trust Beck will be on to something. But, um, yeah, I reckon that, yeah, we'll be we'll have our little stick bags packed and we'll be kind of, you know, borrowing and um, turning up at different locations uh, to play until Dingley's ready and then we'll all be Googling how to get to Dingley, I yeah, guess. Grant, I've heard also maybe it's Frankston. Potentially, uh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, they had a look down there. That's actually not a bad idea, I guess, given that um, Dingley and Frankston. I don't know. Maybe it just gets us used to being down there. It might be able to um, draw a few new members who might be interested, you know, to sign up. And I would urge people to become a member. The membership packs are out for the Hawks AFLW teams and they're really they've got a really nice price point actually for kids and for adults and they've got a really spectacular one as well where you know I think it's $500 which I didn't even pay for that one myself got to be honest but you get up close you get a dinner with the players there's only a couple of them um on offer but um they've managed I think they've hit the target really well with that and I think that it's really hard to um to Garner what the um, how much money people have you know for for things like footy memberships in in the current climate. So I think that there's something there for everyone. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's such an exciting new development for Hawthorne, and you know the trials we might. I know we said this last time you were on. I mean trials we might. It was very hard to become too emotionally invested in AFLW till now. Until as a team that runs out in your colours, you don't feel you, you feel like you're on the outside looking in. So. It really is a momentous time for the footy club, and I think they're going to do pretty well. I've got no clue how competitive they'll be, but 
I know they're going to build a really good program. I guess that's the most important thing. Before you go, just a quick word on the men's pro. How, as, how, out of one to ten, how do you rate the Hawthorne men's season to date? Uh, you are a diehard supporter <laughs> of all things Hawthorne. What, what are your thoughts on the season to date? Well, you know, for we're getting uh, at least seven out of ten for three quarters, and then there's just one quarter that we just seem to go missing. But I feel I'm really excited. I'm as a supporter, I'm loving watching it. I'm so enthralled by what's happening out there. I'm loving Jai Newcomb so much. Um, there's so many interesting storylines. Uh, I'm I really like watching what we build. Um, I'm actually finding it almost more fun to watch this than I know it sounds crazy, but when we were winning all the time in the three P era, almost because I felt like we had too much to lose. This just feels like a value add every week. Um, I wish we were ahead of Carlton on the ladder, but you know that's yeah. I guess that's that's probably how we all feel. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I think we're okay. I, the injuries are annoying, and that ruck conversations, you know. That does plague me. I was really enjoying Ned in the ruck and um, he is such a, you know, he's just a giant, right, and we're so lucky to have him. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I think um, I think the signs are good and I'm excited. I'm enjoying it and I feel like the Hawks faithful are up and about, you know, pretty much enjoying it too. Yeah, the figure that came out today that Hawthorne apparently is the second biggest uh, increase in attendance over the course of the season. So just suggest, which I didn't sort of pick, but but now think about it, the crowds have been pretty healthy for Hawthorne. There is a sense of excitement, I think, amongst Hawthorne fans as they yeah. watch the team play. And they, and they understand, for the first time, the entire club understands where they're at. So no one's particularly too disappointed, with the exception of the St Kilda game, I think the Essendon game. There hasn't been too much disappointment in, in, with the losses either. No, that's true. And I think, um, I, I also think that, it's so nice being back at the footy, you know, being able to consistently go uh, makes such a difference as well. And, you know, it's just beautiful being at the G and seeing, being out there with, you know, other supporters and, and hearing the noise of the crowd. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I kind of feel like we're all on this little journey together at the moment and um, and everyone's just like willing willing it on and that's such a nice feeling. It is. It's a great feeling, and we'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been very supportive of what we've done so far, and we really appreciate it. And uh, we've a lot to talk to you about. We'll uh, absolutely get you on in uh, sometime in August as the uh, first season preview, as it all gets very real. So uh, thank you for joining us, and thanks to Ketch was listening as well. She didn't want to come on and talk. Oh, Ketchy, and she missed, and, and uh, I missed her name, Ketchy. So sorry, yeah, mate. Yeah, so <laughs> we're looking forward to having her. Uh, she said she'll come on and talk another time, which will be great. We'll get her to have a chat to us before the season as well. So thanks, Em. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Ash. Thanks for having me. That is Emma Race, and she's a legend, a big, very big part of, of the footy club and, and a key reason why Hawthorne are going to have an AFLW program that matters from day one. We've got a few minutes to go. We are going to look ahead now to the game on the weekend. Hawthorne versus um, the Brisbane Lions at their second home ground in Tasmania. Bear with me while I call up the team. Um, here we go. So from the back line, as I do my best Thursday night, lead teams imitation is Sicily Frost Day, halfbacks, Impey, Scrimshaw, Blake Hardwick, centerline Bramble, John Newcomb, Chankwath, GF. Good to have him back. Half-forward, Harry Morrison. Luke Bruce as the towering hulking centre-half-forward, Andrew. And Jay Gomira at the other flank forwards. Dylan Moore, Mitch Lewis, Jacob Kaczynski. Big Maximus in the ruck. Tom Mitchell and Chad Wingard round out the followers. Interchange from Ned Long, Connor Nash, Denver Granger-Barris, Kyle Hardigan, Liam Shields, Daniel Howe, Sam Butler and uh, Jackson Callow. Brad has had to leave us, unfortunately. He's got an early start tomorrow. So I'll throw it open to you, Weesey. What happens in the next 24 hours? Well, I think there aren't really any certainties for mine on that bench other than Connor Nash. I'd say, for me personally, he's the first absolute lock from uh, that group of players. I think it's going to be one of DGB, one of Kyle Hardigan. 
Um, I feel like Liam Shields or Dan Howe, one of them will potentially be called back in. You, you probably couldn't have the other. So, um, and then depending on on what the the ruck plan is, um, whether or not Callow's in, so that between him and um, him and Cozzy, you're potentially fulfilling that ruck role. It's it's difficult to tell. Um, but I think that we'll go down uh, to Tassie and, and have a decent crack. I, I actually think one of the more significant, um, uh, and Long's on the bench as well, which which would be wonderful, Ned Long. Um, one of the more significant things when it comes to team selections is actually Marcus Adams out for um, for the Lions, and he's having an incredible season. He's got his body right, and, and he's been absolutely brilliant. So for them to lose a, a hulking defender who who has been in such great form, I think is is huge for for that Cozzy-Lewis combination that we've been talking, talking about. They've got one less um, big fella to have to worry about. They're actually missing three key position players, Bruce, because they're missing Adams at one end. They're missing both Danaher and McStay at the other end. So they're, they're a little bit weakened. But they're, where, where they're still brilliant is their midfield. It's a different challenge this week for Hawthorne, obviously, because the last couple of weeks, it's those tall forwards from the opposition that have, that have worried Hawthorne. Um, but this time around, it's going to be always brilliant small forwards. Charlie Cameron... It's Zach Bailey, it's Lincoln McCarthy. They're the players who um, could potentially cause Hawthorne um, some damage. So whether it leads to a different structure in the back line, it probably means Sicily can go back to being the floating defender, which I probably need. Um, Frost Between Frost and DGB, if he plays, they can probably take care of of the key position forwards. Um, Hipwood's one. Hipwood's still coming back from knee surgery as well, so he's hit, you know he'll, he'll play and he'll be okay. But you know, Darcy Ford as well. I yeah, think, who, yeah, uh, has been playing as the second ruck, but has been decent enough for them throughout. Yeah, throughout so the they're, season. They're a very look. They're a really good side. In some ways, this is one of the biggest tests for the rest of the season. I think because they're they're the second best team in the competition now, Brisbane. But as said, Hawthorne have beaten twice. In the last, the last two times we've played, Hawthorne's won both times. Uh, Danny, what are your, uh, what are you looking forward to seeing on Sunday? Uh, I'm hope, looking forward to hopefully seeing um, a bit more from Sam Butler. Um, hopefully, he keeps his spot and um, we can see him put on some forward pressure and get a few more touches and uh, kick his first AFL goal. I'd like to see um, Faith being put in Denver Granger Barras and him playing on the second tall forward for. Um, for the Lions, and yeah, just just more development from the guys, from the young guys. So um, a bit more consistency throughout the game for Jai Newcomb. Like I'd I'd take twenty five to thirty touches, um, more so if they're spaced out. Yes, that's six to eight a quarter. He starts magnificently. To, yeah, you know, he's got five possessions first ten minutes, and then you know, and we're raving about him. And we're saying, how good's Jai? Then by the, then it tends to go missing a bit in the second half, and that's been noted well, by the coach as well. Yeah, well, I, think, I think one thing teams are putting work into him, um, and I think I think it's just about navigating um, how he navigates that himself. That teams are like this is a kid that a year and a half ago was playing in Gippsland, and now you know he's he's got a, an opposition player that's paying him um, a lot of respect. So it's just navigating that space, isn't it? And um, it's just another step in his development. I think one thing that's going to help him this week, you've been able to see early in games that he's been the standout mid early in all of our matches. So with Warple missing, I think Sammy um, elaborated on it at training today to say that Tom Mitchell is playing in the middle. He's mm. going to be doing his role as we know and love Tommy Mitchell doing what he can do. So if that is true and he's playing the whole game as that in and under guy uh, and, and potentially getting back to the Tom Mitchell, we know, I think that's going to release Newcomb as well. So that'll be interesting to see. He's put a bit of a, tar- not a target on Mitchell, but he's sort of said he's up and about and ready to play well. So uh, he's, he's put a bit of pressure on him. Boyle said, you know, we need you this week. You know, you've, we've freshened you up and, you know, we've let you do what you need to do. So we need to play. He's not beyond the realms Hawthorne can win this game. Yeah, in Tasmania, they can beat, you know, they can still 
beat just about anybody. Brisbane would have to have a bad day, but Brisbane have been up for a while as well. So who knows? Maybe there is a possibility Hawthorne wins a game. I don't think they will. I think it's going to be a bit too much like last week. It'll be a three or four goal defeat. They'll play well in stages. Um, we'll get a bit excited at times. But I uh, just think, again, in most cases, the, the, most of the better players in the paddock of Brisbane players would probably be enough for them to win. Anyone care to give me a counterpoint? No, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I think the Lions are a really good side and they bat really deep in the midfield and our midfield has been a bit of an issue all year. So um, I, I love I love the fact that Mitchell wants to experiment. Sam Mitchell wants to experiment with his midfield options. I hope we see more Chad Wingard in the middle. I hope we see plenty of Will Day minutes uh, in the midfield and a bit more Dylan Moore and um, if we if we're competitive, if we if we take it to them, and if we fall a little bit short, that's okay. Uh, it's all part of the journey towards um, building a team that's can, that can compete uh, for the long term, not just for for this Sunday. Certainly, good to have uh, CJ back. He adds a different dimension to this side. There, there are people who, who observe Hawthorne who think he's one of their top three players, and just the the, the run from back on the change of direction. His ability to intercept Mark as well just makes him such a valuable player. We've missed him over the last four weeks. Missed watching him play. They're a better team to watch Hawthorne when he's up and about and when they were knocking over some good teams early in the season. Uh, uh, CJ was a huge part of it. So fingers crossed for him that he now has a sustained run at it. Yeah, I think we mentioned at the start of the year when um, Lockie Bramble got injured how uh, how that was going to upset the balance, despite the fact that we had so many, you know, of the likely type back flankers available to choose from. Uh, it's exactly the same with CJ coming back in and, and with Jars now finding his form again, that it does release Will Day. Um, Bramble's getting better with each game. Jars had the great game on the weekend. So CJ coming back in is exciting because if we can get them all on the park playing together, that core defensive unit um, is is really our strongest group at the club. And and they're really set up this week to play the game plan that Mitchell wants them to play as well. He's got all the weapons, I think, going through the team. I think it's the first time all year everybody's been available. All those running defenders, of which Hawthorne's got an abundance. I think it's the first time they've all been playing. So how they, how they structure up will be, I mean, it's a shame the game's on TV. We can't sort of make notes for ourselves and hopefully the Channel 7 guys will help us in that regard. Not that I've got any great confidence that they'll do that. But it'd be great to see how they line up in, at, different, at different bounces and different parts of the game, who, who lines up where. So uh, that is one to pay attention to. Just on Liam Shields, it is three games. He's on, he, he's, on, he's on 247 games. I have a sneaky feeling Liam Shields plays the next three weeks. Uh, if he does, he'll get his 250th game, the home game against Collingwood, uh, on June 4th at the MCG, I think it's round 12. That will also be Luke Bruce's 250 game if he gets through the next three weeks as well. Given that Hawthorne only have three more MCG home games the remainder of the season, I would think there'd be a reasonable chance that Shields plays this week and they get him through to that milestone. Then what happens after that is in the air, but I can see a role for, I think I can see a role for Shields this week, particularly with, um, particularly with McGuinness not playing. Possibly, I don't know, can you run with a McLuggage or one of those Brisbane players is uh, is what I'm keen to see on the weekend. So I would expect that of the four, of the eight players named on the bench, that Liam Shields absolutely won them. I think that's a fair summation, Ash. And um, I think that is uh, the least that uh, Liam Shields deserves for being the um, incredible servant to our footy club that he has been for a number of years. So... If it's getting into uh, a milestone game at the G in front of the fans uh, with one of his best mates, I think that um, the club almost owes it to him. Yeah, I reckon I, uh, I'd i be surprised if that's not the plan from here on in the and it was a plan all along to get him to that milestone, which will make that in three weeks' time a pretty special um, afternoon at the footy. Uh so that has been the spaces, I think, for this week. I think it's been fairly comprehensive. It's been a, it's a big, big uh, seven or so days for the Hawks. Um, any last words from you, Danny? I forgot how to unmute myself for a second there and panicked. Uh, no, all, all good. Just excited to see 
um, some of these young guys hopefully get a game again uh, this week at, at the Hawks, especially with uh, Box Hill having a bye. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can just give a good account of ourselves. I'm, I'm excited to see him play. Andrew, any housekeeping before we go? Uh, not so much housekeeping, but just another shout-out. I've done it before on here to the club for their work with the Hidden Disabilities Program. Um, the sensory room at the MCG moved into the National Sports Museum and is just incredible. The staff are much more clued up than they have been before and um, just to be such an in, uh, inclusive, um, aware club running programs like that is absolutely magnificent. So a huge, huge, huge shout out to the club for that. Was it a Hawthorne initiative or an MCC initiative? Hawthorne initiative. Well, so I think St Kilda were the first club to originally do it. And after they'd done a couple, Hawthorne um, right. took on their own version of it. Um, but so they've teamed up with a Ford. Um, and now it's, um, a, again, from a couple of years ago when it started, um, you would walk into the MCG and ask someone where the sensory room and they'd have no idea what you're talking about. And every single person that works there knows exactly right. what you're talking about, how to go, how to get there. So I think it's been a collaborative approach from a number of clubs as well as the MCC. And I know they've done something similar at Marvel as well. And it's just, yeah, absolutely magnificent. Well, well done, Hawthorne. Well done, MCC, uh, for all of that. So thanks for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 for the month, $50 for the season. I think it's our first birthday this week, so we'll buy ourselves a cake or something like that. But uh, we've had lo- loads of fun uh, bringing all this content to you. Apologies again from Brad. I had to leave earlier. From Darren, who uh, I think is up to the uh, teaspoons now at West Waters in his stock take. He'll report back to us next week on how it's all shaping up. Um, so we look forward to the game in Brisbane. Don't forget, we'll do a player rankings podcast Sunday night, probably for Monday, which will be good to review the game and put up our recap as well. And we'll keep bringing you all the news and reviews as the news comes out of Hawthorne. Darwin week next week, who knows? There may be some sort of rapprochement with Cyril Rioli. We'll keep an eye on that. They've certainly got a lot of activities planned for their trip to the Northern Territory which will be fantastic. We'll talk about that as well. So thanks for joining us on Hawks Insiders. Uh, Thursday night safe space. Have a good rest of the week and a good weekend, everybody. Hopefully the Hawks will give us something special on Sunday. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you and good night.